my name is Kier. I'm part of the teaching team here at Oak Ridge. It's really good to see you all, and uh, anybody that's online this morning, it's good to have you with us as well. We're going to be diving into part of the major prophets, part of the Old Testament today. Specifically, we're going to be looking at Lamentations. So um, for those of you who maybe just kind of new or have been away for a little while, we've been going through uh, this Old Testament review. And the reason we're doing it, just to refresh our memory for those of you who are here every week, is that we understand that the purpose of Scripture is to reveal God and to point to Jesus. And our purpose in this is to increase our biblical literacy and, importantly, to respond in faith and obedience. And so I really hope that you will hear something this morning that will help you in that, in that goal. I'm going to pray, too, for if you'll join me, Lord. Lord, uh, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I just, um, just thinking about the, all the excitement and hope, hopefulness for the future, for how you're going to come alongside these new graduates. And as they turn the page and um, see all kinds of opportunities ahead of them, Lord, I just thank you that you will be there with them during that time and during with their families during that transition. And I also just thank you that even as we reflect on Lamentations today, that you're with us even when we're not making a fresh start. Maybe we've just been through the ringer, been through something really hard. You're still there with us and um, because you're constant, as we're going to be talking about this morning. So I just thank you for that juxtaposition, but yet consistency on your part. And that help us to hear what you want us to hear this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. So um, I also wanted to share opening up uh, for some of the Selah services that we have. We've had people share things that they've been taking away from this series. And for me, um, I have really appreciated getting a, my mind around how the Old Testament parts of it have layers. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Dave or David, but one of them had everybody, uh, a number of people with a piece of paper with the name of a book, and initially we were like stretched from that, that side all the way around that way, and then um, basically all the books were rearranged and pulled up so that the ones that happened during the same period of time were close and overlapping. To me, that was just a good visual for what's going on in the Old Testament in parts. And I'd always, I, I understand the, the Gospels that way. A lot of people understand the Gospels that way, that they all happen during the life of Jesus here on earth, but they were written to different audiences and different perspectives. But um, I hadn't seen it in the Old Testament before this. So anyway, that's my little uh, takeaway that I... Uh, one of many, but that's, that's one I just wanted to share this morning. Of course, we've also been talking about um, how God has had a purpose for his chosen people. Um, it was not because of something that they did that the Jewish people were, are um, special. It's because God has chosen them to show things to the rest of the world. And, but unfortunately, ever since uh, the time of Moses received the law, um, even before that, but for the purposes of lamentations, ever since the time of Moses, people have been turning their own way. And the events that we're going to be reflecting upon today in lamentations are the culmination of these bad choices. 
Now, Jeremiah the man is understood by most to be the author of both Jeremiah and Lamentations. And I know David covered Jeremiah last week. Um, I think this slide, and I thank you, Bruce, for fixing it. It always seems to get mixed up when we convert <laughs> from one program to PowerPoint. But kind of shows how they're both talking about the defeat and desolation of Jerusalem and then leading into the Babylonian captivity. But Jeremiah is a warning just before, looking ahead to what's coming, whereas Lamentations is more a book of mourning and looking back at what has just transpired. Structurally, um, it's mostly an alphabetic acrostic. And I know uh, Brian has mentioned that in, um, from Psalms, and I mentioned it from one of the books that I studied, that an acrostic is basically where the structure of the, uh, the writings begin with the letter of the alphabet. So in this case, chapters 1, 2, and 4 are, all have 22 verses, which corresponds with the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, chapter 3 actually has 66 verses, so I know some of you have already been looking at the slide and been calculating this in your head, so what does that mean? So that just means that each letter of the alphabet has three verses that begin that particular chapter. So it's very orderly, although chapter 5 is not set up that way. It's, it, like the others, is very elaborate and organized the way um, it's written. And all of that contrasts with the passionate grief that Jeremiah is expressing for what's happened um, with the destruction of the city and the uh, captivity that's beginning. And it's really intense. Um, and as if it wasn't intense enough just from the, the words, um, there's also this uh, mechanism called a limping meter, which causes the words to drag on, to be very melancholy, to just make sure we're getting the point that this is, is a funeral, basically. And because of its structure, this uh, relatively short book is easier to categorize the focus and the topic of each chapter. And I have a little um, chart here. It's in your notes. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on all the detail of each chapter, but it's just helpful if you wanted to know a little bit more about how God's, how the anger of Jehovah is exhibited. You could look more specifically at chapter two. So there are three main themes, embedded themes, and the first one is mourning the city that's been laid waste because of God's judgment that's come. And I'm just going to read one little verse to begin this. So um, it's uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, How lonely sits the city that was full of people. She has become like a widow who was once great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a forced laborer. So it's, that is actually probably one of the mildest verses in here. It's, a lot of them are really very brutal. I mean, it's just what happened is brutal. What they had to do, what they chose to do to survive, unbelievable. To me, it's similar to a war film documentary. And although you're reading it or you're listening to it, it's like, one of those things that's hard to watch, if you know what I mean. It's just pretty grim. Now, a second theme 
is that of confession of sin and recognition that God has the right to this righteous and holy judgment. In chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. So there are no excuses like, but, but I, but I. And there's no fist shaking at God like, this isn't fair. There's total ownership of the fact that God is righteous in doing what he's, what he's chosen to do. And the last theme um, that I want to touch on has to do with hope. It's hope in God's future restoration of his people and hope in his mercy to fulfill his promises. So despite the fact that this devastation is so tremendous, um, hope remains that God will restore his people because of who God is. Now the audience is the Jewish people, although I thought it was interesting to note as I was you know, studying this some that a lot of more liturgical churches use the Lamentations in their liturgy, so it's really been um, brought on to, into other circles. But the original audience, and the audience today even still, is the Jewish people. The reading of Lamentations is usually on the holiday, which is called, and I'll do my best, I've been practicing, um, <laughs> Tishal B'Av, I believe it is. Um, and that's usually in July or August. And it's a religious holiday where they remember the destruction of both the first and second temple and also other historical collective tragedies that have befallen the, the Jewish people. And their book is not called Lamentations. The name of it in Hebrew is Ayaha, which roughly means how or woe. And I like to think of it as how is like a dreaded amazement. How? How did this happen? But not why, but how. Um, and I think as I was preparing for this, I was looking, trying to get alternative perspectives, um, modern-day Jewish perspectives on what, why do they still remember um, these events and what, um, what's the meaning, what's the lesson, as we should be asking, what's the lesson that God has us to take away from this? And I found it seemed like there was this theme of looking for some one single cause for this catastrophic event. Um, one possible option that ones have thrown out there is that the destruction came because the people were not allowing the land to rest. And there's a reference to that in Second Chronicles 36, 21. So it's like looking for a solution that they weren't following God's instruction in this one area. Um, a lot of other articles and, and thoughts that I came across had this idea that the destruction came because of how badly they were treating one another um, at the time. And that was touched on a little bit um, in... Uh, David had a slide last week that covered Jeremiah 7, verses 5 through 11, where just it's a whole list of things that they were doing to one another that were not, um, not what God had guided them in in his word earlier. <clears throat> and um, as we've been going through this series, I think that 
we've been reading about all kinds of transgressions, um, not, just, not just those, but and most recently in the historical books, we read about places where, um, I mean, they were just making really bad choices, worshiping foreign gods, all these things they were warned about just over and over. So it seems clear to me that, this is my opinion, but it seems clear to me that there is no singular act that caused this destruction and then the ultimate Babylonian captivity. In Lamentations 1, verse 5, it even begins by saying, For the Lord has caused her grief, her being the city of Jerusalem, the people that live there. The Lord has caused her grief because of the multitude of her transgressions. So they had multiple transgressions, and namely how they were responding to God and how he told them to live, and how they were responding to treating one another. It was a combination of many things. But I'd I'd really like to build on that idea about our relationships um, with one another and with God. Jesus was asked, what was the greatest command? And in Mark 12, it's recorded, he said, he said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Clearly, God wants us to follow this verse, the one I just read. But I find it interesting what ones choose to emphasize. And so I thought we'd take a look at that. So, again, there was this idea that the destruction had to do with because of how people were treating people. That's kind of man's perspective. But I think the real reality of it, it was, is God's perspective, is how man was treating God, how God, how he was, his relationship with God. I think the danger is that if we just look at our relationship with one another, while we need to be respectful and, and we need to be treating people the way we want to be treated, as it says, um, if we focus just on our relationship with one another, we can fall into this trap of, well, if I'm not hurting anyone else, it's okay. Or likewise, another thing you may have heard people saying is, well, it's between consenting individuals, and so that it's okay. And that just leaves God out of the equation altogether. Um, and I think God, we, people leave God out of the equation because, one, they may say they don't believe God exists, or they don't care what he thinks if he does exist, or they're so attached to the thing that um, they don't want to bring him into it, they'll just say, well, he doesn't really care about this issue, you know, uh, even though he may have spoken on it before. There's just this idea if we disconnect God from the, from the um, choices we're making, we are we're opening ourselves to get on the wrong track. Now, if we look at that, this, uh, the greatest command, according to Jesus, and we um, take God's approach, um, you might be asking, why should we take God's approach? Why should we love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength? Well, he's the one that knows us best, right? He's the one who created this world we live in. And we can count on God because God wants the best for people, God wants a relationship with people. 
And God wants his people to be the light of the world for those who are far from him. Second application from Lamentations that I want to just also talk about is this idea of looking at the heart of a faithful servant. In particular, I want to look at the character of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah was not just an observer of these events. He was not just a recorder of these events. He was an active follower of God. He, was, he prophesied for 40 years to the city of Jerusalem. And during that time, he developed a heart like God's, a heart for justice and righteousness. And he also developed a heart for the lost people, just like God had. And I think we see that best in Lamentations when he doesn't react angrily to what's happened. He's not mad at God. He's not mad at the people even. He's mourning. He's just mourning what's occurred. And that's a contrast to Jonah, for example. So if you remember the story of Jonah, Jonah is told to go to Nineveh to um, warn them of coming destruction, just like Jeremiah did. It's a different group of people, so that is part of Jonah's reason for being the way he is. But Jonah doesn't have a heart for those people. He wants to climb the closest mountain and watch the destruction come down. But Jeremiah had a heart for people like God did. We want to be like that. And I think what he learned about God being righteous and patient and desiring ones to repent is summed up really well in 2 Peter 3.9, which I realize is in the New Testament, but it just captures it really well, the, um, the heart of God. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, or other versions say come to repentance. And how did he learn this? I think I believe he learned this and he applied this by time in this this is Jeremiah I'm speaking of, by spending time in the scriptures, by spending time in prayer and listening to God, and probably the area that I personally fall down the most in is time in obeying God. He did all three of these. Time in the scriptures, seeking God, and obeying God. And that obeying cost him. I mean, he, he, he spent his whole life speaking for God. He, went, he was imprisoned. He was, I mean, I can't even imagine the pressure. I, I'm just thinking about that one verse that was in Jeremiah last week where he is telling, he's making a proclamation and the as he's, as, as he's reading it, the, they're tearing off the paper and throwing it in the fire. I mean, like, oh, that's like, that's obviously not a friendly environment to speak in. <clears throat> so, and I just thought, well, you know, let's think about this too. Um, as we're trying to develop a heart that's more like Jeremiah's or ultimately more like God's, um, let's think about some things. If you think about it, we have, as they're kind of outlined on this slide, we have a greater access to even more of the Word of God than Jeremiah did, because we have the New Testament. And we have a more complete understanding of the foreshadowing of the temple sacrifices, since in time 
We live on this side of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We have a community of believers. It seems like Jeremiah was pretty alone for a lot of the time. And we also have the Holy Spirit to direct us and pray for us. So we have, we have a lot of extra things to help us. And because we have these things, there's hope that helps us um, have more things in our favor. Um, we, not, we are not seeing the destruction that he, had just test, that he just witnessed, the destruction of Jerusalem. But we do see um, the destruction of like, personal relationships, destruction of things in our culture. They're just very, very hard things. But in the middle of those things, we could be like Jeremiah and ask God to help us remember what was written in Lamentations 3. And I'll just read it, um, but bookmark it because it's a really good th- verse to hold on to. It's this. It says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul of those who seek him. Now, we all have our personal stories that are worth telling. They're the stories where we are the antagonist, and we are the captive, and where Jesus is the servant and the hero. They're what I'd call, they are our redemption stories. And there are people who do not want to or can't see a destructive path that they may be on. And I just, let's ask God to help them see. And also, let's ask God and one another to help us share or help us to figure out how to share our redemption stories. God just wants us to have a heart for people and to share. That's all he asks. The results are not up to us. He wants them and us in hard times to be able to say, great is thy faithfulness. So this is from the close off in prayer. Lord, I know that some of these things are really hard and um, we just want to recognize that they are, can be very difficult, the brokenness in our world, the brokenness in our relationships sometimes. But Lord, like Jeremiah, <clears throat> even if we follow you, we know things won't always go the way we want them to, Lord. Help us to cling to your faithfulness in the middle of it. Help us to remember your faithfulness. And Lord, we just ask that you would please help us And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.